Welcome home, and thank you for joining us here on the Real Life Church Podcast. We are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I'm so glad you guys are here. Summer of Love, Part 5, The Family Feud. And uh, I believe it's okay to have fun in church. I believe it's okay to laugh. The very first son promised to Abraham when they finally had it, they said, man, let's name this guy Laughter. So, um, you know, I think it's appropriate to laugh. You know, so many times Christians are known as people who are dull, boring, um, and are all about the rules, 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 right? But Jesus had little kids running to him to sit in his lap. And I know kids are not attracted to boring. So I think Jesus likes to have fun. And uh, I think we'll get to experience that in heaven. And uh, so um, I am looking forward to heaven, but don't want to go there anytime soon. So I'm having a good time here. But um, so today's message is the family feud. And I'm glad you guys are here. Can we pray together real quick? I know we've prayed several times today, but I believe that when we come to church, we're not supposed to talk about God, but talk to him. Okay. So let's just do that for a moment. Father, thank you for laughter. Thank you for the joy. Uh, bless the Garens. They're not second place in real life. They're, they're, <laughs> they're winners. You are for them. You are for them. And uh, so, Lord, we thank you for your grace that's present here in our midst. And I cling to the sacred words written and read. Then we, when we gather in your name, you are here in our midst. Jesus, welcome home. We're glad you're here. Would you teach us? Would you heal us? Would you minister to us? Would you release your presence and your glory in this house to do what only you can do? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so family is a creation uh, designed by God himself. When he creates Adam in the garden, he gives him the task of naming animals, and then God finally says, man, it's it's not good for man to be alone. Let's create a family. So he brings Eve uh, into um, Adam's life, and, and God designed and instituted and created a family. Contrary to what some people believe, I believe a family is a husband and wife. I don't believe you have to have children to be a family. I believe you, that you will raise kids, perhaps, but they're going to be gone, and you're going to be back to husband and wife. And so I've told my kids, I love you, but I don't love you near as much as I love your hot mama because you're going to be gone one day. And so I choose her first, you know. So um, just a little marriage advice. I think I have the best marriage on planet Earth. And um, you're supposed to say amen, baby. Well, you know what I mean? So <laughs> she missed her point. She's sleeping on the couch tonight, you know. <laughs> But, uh, man, I, I am thankful for my wife. <clears throat> and, uh, matter of fact, I, I get to wake up every day. Can I just brag on God for a minute? I get to wake up every day with a promise from God in my life. And I was actually sharing this sometime this week, and someone called me back, and they're like, dude, that story just wrecked all of us. So I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, going to Bible College in Virginia, and God spoke to me through a prophetic word that I was supposed to move to Ohio and there I would meet my wife. She would be from Michigan. And when we got married, she would have blonde hair. Y'all look like y'all believe that about as much as I did. You're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And uh, I ended up in Ohio. <laughs> and I met this girl from Michigan. 
and we fell madly in love. And she did not have blonde hair, but I figured everybody's entitled to miss a little bit of a prophetic word, right? Like 90 out of 100 is pretty good in my book. So, okay, God, God got the color hair wrong, but, you know. Um, but about two weeks before, three weeks before we got married, her sister says, let's put some highlights in your hair. And absolutely frosted that thing, platinum blonde. And so when we got, I went to Ohio, I met my wife, and when we got married, she had blonde hair. So God created our family, and I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. I believe in family. The Hebrew word for family, y'all know I got to throw at least one Hebrew word in every sermon. The Hebrew word for family is mishpachah. Anybody say mishpachah? Watch you uh, tonight say, Lord, I pray for my mishpachah, you know. But uh, but Hebrew word for family is, is mishpachah, and it's a lot like our idea of family. I, does everybody know? I think everybody kind of agrees with this, that your family just aren't the people related to you by blood. They are your family whether you like it or not. Some of y'all are like, I think God put me in the wrong family. There's a few times when I was a kid and I would see these awesome families or rich families. I'd be like, I think I'm supposed to be with them. I like, I like his mom and dad better than my mom and dad. And, but God knows what he's doing and he put you in the family he put you in. But your family doesn't just include the people related to you by blood. They, they include the people you create real estate on the inside of you for people you give your heart to people you trust people you allow to belong in your life in a real and meaningful way and and this this is a hebraic idea as well so you know and and when we study the scriptures when we, when you come across family it includes that jesus actually said uh who is my mother and my father and my brothers and sisters it's those who hear the word of god and keep it and do it. And so family also represents those of us who share the same faith, who walk with the Lord, who trust the Lord. Somehow we know we're brothers from another mother and sisters from a different mister, right? Like we belong together and God created that. I love the fact that I can get along with so many different kinds of people because the love of Jesus that lives inside of me creates a bridge to everyone else. Man, that's actually really good. But the idea of family, I understand this morning, um, can create these wonderful, warm, cozy memories and places inside of our soul when we remember Christmases and gifts and weddings and celebrations and special moments. And the idea of family can also evoke pain. It can associate us with broken promises, the loss of a parent or a child divorces, the pain of having no children or the struggle to raise children, infidelity, domestic violence, abuse, sibling rivalry, inheritance disputes. I've watched that tear families apart. God is not blind to what happens in our families. And God is not blind, nor is he silent on any of these matters. Rather, the scriptures that are inspired by God do not just paint a happy-go-lucky picture of families who never struggle, but God's stories to us, his promises to us, the, the, the way he connects to us is not just showing us the good, but 
showing us the broken, right? God's word shows us blessed families and broken families, hurting families, generational blessings, generational curses, functional families, and extremely dysfunctional families. There's some families in the Bible, you can go and read them and be like, well, I thought we was messed up, but we ain't that bad. I promise you. There's some stuff, if they, if they did reality TV back, you know, 4,000 years ago, they would have had all-time sellers, best, most followers. I mean, there's some jacked-up families in the Bible, some bad ones. Uh, and some of us have known family bliss, right? Uh, some of us have experienced great brokenness. And I think the majority of us have some sense of kind of an in-between experience, right? Where there may be love and sacrifice, there may also be bickering and disappointment, every host of emotion you can imagine. Would you agree with me today that the family in America is under attack? I didn't know if you were supposed to clap for that, but I understand why you did, right? Uh, the confusion and the lies being sold to American society right now are destroying home. They're actually, and, and you know what? The lies being sold, they're not something new. This is stuff 4,000, 5,000 years old. The, the, the stuff being sown into our culture, into our experience of family is nothing new. The devil has no new tricks. Perhaps the devil's favorite show is the family feud not the cool one the silly one the one we laughed at and and we're answering funny questions but the real family feud the one that sows discord that sows pain that sows rejection that sows confusion the one that leaves us with scars no one can see and and stories and things about ourselves. Some of you, even while I'm talking about this, you, you have distinct memories of, of maybe a family member saying something about you that hurt you deeply. Someone that was supposed to love you and believe you cut you and bruised you and, and scarred you in a way. And families are like that. And families are, can be a beautiful place and they can be a, a hurting place, right? But I, I believe we don't just need revival and renewal in our churches, in our schools. I believe we got to have it in our homes, y'all. We got to have it in our homes. We got to get back to practicing the presence of God in our homes. The first century believers in Messiah didn't go to church, they didn't drag their kids to church. They worshiped in their homes, they connected in their homes. They shared meals in their homes. They laughed in their homes. They invited people into their homes. And, you know, for ancient Judaism and the beginning of Christianity, the, the highlight of worship was not singing on Sunday morning. And I'm so, I love what God's doing here. I love the worship we experience together. But for them, it was actually sitting down at a table and looking at each other and inviting people into family. Because the reason it's so spiritual is everything on the table died so you can live. The animal has lost his life. The, the, the grain was crushed and, and everything gave its life 
so that you can have life. So as we sit around the table and we're eating food and we're enjoying all the, and uh, Gabe gets the, the highlight for the best potato salad of last Sunday. People are calling him for the recipe. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but it's awesome. And uh, so, but I love that. I, I love that we get to enjoy what Christy's the best cook I've ever met in my life. But her husband said, amen. That's how, that's a good husband right there. Um, take notes, babe. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Maybe I'm on the couch now. <laughs> I got to ride home. Thank you, brother. <laughs> but I, I think that there was something sacred going on. And do you guys remember if you've, I don't know if you're familiar with the scriptures, if you're familiar with the Bible, but, but Jesus is known in some way as, as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And the reason, like for me, that's like, oh, cool, I like Jesus. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. However, in their time, that's not a compliment. Because what, what they're saying is you're allowing the outcast to belong to you. You're inviting the broken and calling them your friends. You're inviting those who are, who are the outcasts and the skunk and, and you're sharing meal with them and you're partaking of life with them and you're, you're allowing them sacred space in your life because to eat together was sacred. Matter of fact, you can even remember in the story of Joseph, when, when Joseph spreads a meal, the Egyptians were not allowed to eat with the Hebrews. And, and back in those days, there was a lot of, uh, of pain involved in sharing of meals. I can't even go far without our story as American. And remember, there were times when there were the Blackwater Fountain and the, the other one. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, we're not so far removed from the ostracizing and the, the pain of our own experience. And I love the fact that Jesus serves as a model of perfect love by allowing everyone to the table. Everyone's welcome at Jesus' table. I believe we don't just need revival and renewal in our churches. It has to get to our homes. I believe we need a moral awakening and a unity in the church. We need the love of God to spill into every crevice, every crack, every corner of our society. Listen, if the word of God, the love of God, the move of God is always an event or a place you go to, it'll never be sustained in your life. For too long, we have a revival, and it's an event we go to. It's a week long, and people are like, why doesn't real life do revival? Because I think it's something you're supposed to live in, not something you create and go to for a couple days. We don't just need God in the White House, the courthouse, and the schoolhouse. We need God in your house. Can I encourage you to not give up praying for your family? They may have ridiculed you, rejected you, refused you, run you down, and run you over. But God isn't finished with your family. I want to take just a few moments and consider the life of Joseph. And if anyone has a reason 
to hate their family, despise their family, reject their family, ridicule their family, it is Joseph. And his own brothers rejected him. These are the scriptures saying this. His own brothers rejected him, despised him, and hated him. If you got family members like that, don't look at them right now. <laughs> like, wow, he's describing my relationship with my cousin. No. But, but Joseph was ridiculed, despised, and hated by his own brothers. So much to the point that they actually faked his own death. They got rid of him. They faked his death, and this is what they did. They, they, he had a, a coat on that said he was his father's favorite child, and they took that coat off of him, and they ripped it, and they tore it, and they spattered it in, in animal's blood, and they brought it to their father, and they said, is this the garment of your son? They watched their father fall apart. They watched their father come to pieces. They watched their father die on the inside a little bit that day and he wept and he wept and this is this is one of the saddest things i've ever read in this moment the bible says that they all rose up to comfort him with a lie that they perpetrated listen not everyone who comforts you is your friend not everybody who tells you the truth is your enemy Because the only thing that could have healed that wound is the truth. But instead of speaking the truth, they comforted him with a lie. Can you imagine living for, I don't know how long it was, 20 years, 30 years, he lived with a lie and mourning and grieving, believing a lie. And his family didn't just allow him to believe that for a minute. They allowed him to believe that. For a long time. When Joseph is dropped into a pit, finally they say, no, let's, let's sell him into slavery. And, and he goes into Egypt and he becomes a slave. And, and he experiences pain after pain after the favor of God and the trial and the testing and the pain and the favor of God and the trial and the testing and the favor of God. And finally he's over, he's the second in command in Egypt. The Bible says everything was under his control. And he sees his brothers coming. Now, I, have, I, I believe Joseph would have had a family feud sermon, too, because he, he had a little fun with them. And if you're not familiar with the story, um, he's rejected. He, he goes and he, he serves in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife is longing for him. And he chooses to leave his clothes and run away. But they basically accuse him of trying to rape Potiphar's wife, and he's thrown into prison. While he's in the prison, he serves, and then everything in the prison's put under his charge. And so he's living with, I mean, can you, if anyone has the right to be offended, to be a victim, to be wounded, to, to give up on life and just have a terrible attitude, it would be Joseph. Wouldn't you not agree? 
But Joseph takes the manure that was dumped into his life and says, listen, I've been handed some stinking stuff, but I'm not going to use it as the excuse to, get, to have a self-pity party. I'm not going to use it as an excuse to grow bitter. I'm going to take what the enemy meant for evil, and I'm going to turn it to good. I'm going to take the manure. I, you know, back in the day, they used to fertilize stuff with manure. Right? Still do. Uh, I used, is it all right? I'll say this. No. <laughs> Jenny said, no, it's not okay. I've used organic fertilizer. Let me just say it like that. Um, but I, I think it's interesting. Joseph could have let what his family did to him destroy him. He could have got angry, full of self-pity, and lived rejected and lived like an outcast. But Joseph didn't get bitter. Joseph got better. And some of you need to work on changing that letter. He could have stayed a victim. He could have spent his life making excuses. Instead, he chose to took the manure dumped into his life and use it as fertilizer to grow godly character, to become like Jesus. He told his brothers, y'all intended this for evil, but God took it and used it for my good. Mm. It's easy to take the offense. It's easy to let the root of bitterness grow up. It's easy to take the manure and the dung dropped into your life and cause you to have stinking thinking, foul attitudes, and a funky philosophy. But listen, the Holy Spirit will not leave you a victim, and he won't let you stay there and lick your wounds for the rest of your life. God will take your pain and use it as an anointing on your life. God uses our pain. He takes our misery and turns it into ministry. He takes our mess and turns it into a message. He takes our test and turns them into a testimony. And God is the one who takes what was meant for you as evil and he'll work it together for his own good, for your good. Paul says all these things are working together for the good. Ah, I don't, we could make a cake this morning. I could dump a bag of flour in here. Nobody would be like, oh, that looks delicious. <laughs> Crack a raw egg. You're probably not interested. Straight vanilla is pretty nasty. But somehow God takes these different things that no one would want on their own. But when he began to mix it together, all of a sudden, man, you can't keep your hands off of it. You, 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 you want more? You'll eat it in the middle of the night. It'll be calling you. Say, come, come, come. God never wastes pain. God never wastes tears. The Bible says that he bottles them up. When you see your Messiah face to face, the Bible says God himself will wipe away every tear. He'll wipe it into his bottle, and he'll take the pain that you've experienced, and he'll, it'll turn from an oil of mourning into an oil of joy. I love the fact I serve a God who never wastes pain. Romans 8 says that 
that God causes all these things to work together for good for those whom he foreknew he called to be conformed to the image of his son and whom he called he justified whom he justified he glorified what then shall we say to these things if God is for you who who not what who He'll talk about what later, but right now, who? Then he'll say, what could separate us from the love? There isn't a who or a what that can get in the. The life of Joseph shows us God can heal any family. (laughs) Wow. The love of God poured out of Joseph's heart. And he saw his brothers, and he did have fun with them. I ain't going to lie. He played a couple tricks on them. I would have to. You sent me all this way. He's put me through all this. I'm going to have fun at your expense for a minute. But eventually, Joseph gets to the point, and and, and you can tell that, man, he's in this moment, and now he's understanding that God hasn't wasted the pain. God's using it all, and he's setting me up to be a voice in their life. See, I I love, do you guys remember the story of the guy who was possessed by a legion of demons? And he wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus cast him out. The Bible says that that the, the, the chains couldn't hold him. He would cut himself. Everybody in the whole area was freaked out. He lived in the graveyard. I mean, this guy needed Jesus. But, I, I mean, if I was the evangelist, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, yeah, you're coming with me. Everybody know you cray-cray. We're fixing to change the world because of your crazy testimony. But he doesn't do that. You know what God says to him? Nah, you don't need to come right now. You go back to your friends and your family. Because they'll testify you've been changed. That area is called Decapolis. It means 10 cities, and they were all incredibly impacted by the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God took a crazy dude, set him free, set him on fire, sent him back to his family, and by the time the gospel got there, maybe God wants you to be a Joseph in your family. As we talk about the summer of love, we had to talk about family. Maybe some of you need to extend healing to somebody in your family. Can you be the Joseph? Will you be the victim forever? Will you hold the grudge? Will you carry the bitterness? Will you make excuses? Or will you be a Joseph? Because today, today could be a turning point in your life and in your family's life. Nothing gets heavier than unforgiveness carried in your soul. Today, God can heal something deeply. You know, I've shared this many times. That's how I know I got saved. Because I hated my grandma. You know why I hated her? Because she tried to tell me what to do. And I was a teenager, and you don't tell me what to do. I know what to do. I was on my way to jail, on my way to hell. Everything was falling apart. Everybody around me was dying, but I knew what I was doing. 
My grandma said, no, what you need to do, boy. I was like, I despise that woman. She was the only, body, only person that would get in my face and say, this is what you ought to be doing, boy. You don't need uh, Tommy Hilfiger's and Nike shoes. You need, to be, you need to go to Walmart and get clothes. It was Kmart back then. And Blue Light Special is what she was recommending, too. But I'm like, I'm a, I'm a single child. I got a, I got a reputation. She's like, forget that. You need to serve your mom. You need to be cutting the grass. You need to be washing the dishes. You need to be folding the clothes. You need to be serving your mama. She's killing herself. She's busting her butt. You're being raised by a single mom. Do something to love your family and help your family. Quit living selfish. I'm telling you what she told me. I'm not telling that to y'all. Quit acting like the whole world owes you something. Okay, you were rejected. Okay, you've been hurt. Get over it. Get up. Don't use it as a license to stay broke. Use it as medicine to get better. Don't get bitter. Get better. And man, my grandma would just give it to me. Despise that woman. I went to the altar one Sunday morning and got up. I love my grandma. I'm like... I felt like the Grinch, my heart. Now I know he's real because he started in my family. The love of family is what brought me to Christ. July 3rd, I celebrated being a Christian for 29 years because my first cousin. His death impacted my life deeply, eternally, forever. There was no one I loved in this world more than my cousin Ryan, and his death changed my life forever. So somehow God keeps using my family. And they don't always tell you what you want to hear, do they? Your family keep you humble. Boy, I, I, I wiped your butt when you were I know where you come from, you know. <laughs> you pretend to be, who is R.C.? That ain't your name. Your name's Rodney, boy. <laughs> I don't know no R.C. <laughs> Matter of fact, somebody was witnessing to one of my family members. Uh, yeah, I go to, I go to church, and uh, I, I, yeah, R.C.'s my pastor. R.C.? I don't know him. I know Rodney. That's who you go to church with <laughs> We gotta love our family. We gotta create an extra chair at the table. You need to create an extra chair at the table for the the person you said, nah, they, they don't belong here. I hope I never see them again. No, you need to leave a chair at the table for them. The life of Joseph shows us if he could be rejected, ridiculed, despised, hated sold into slavery, forgotten, and lied about, and still choose forgiveness? Because when his family needed him, God had set him up to forgive them, to restore them, and to bring them to live in his own tribe and his own village. And he didn't give them the leftovers. He gave them the best of the land. That's the love of God on display. And that's who we can be today. 
We can be the kind of people who build bridges and break generational curses. We can be the kind of people who restore and reconcile and heal and stop care. Maybe some of y'all need to write a letter. Maybe somebody needs to make a phone call. You might need to make a visit to somebody. What if today was the day a fresh healing can begin in your life? You know, one of the things I love about studying church history and getting my fingers and, and my heart more connected to this is there's a way that they celebrated life. They did Shabbat. It's the Sabbath, right? Everybody's heard of the Sabbath. But they do this, and, and Jenny and I have started practicing this a little bit, and we have this meal together. And, and, but I want you to see family in this, okay? Because when we get together, do the lighting of the candles, and, and Jenny welcomes the presence of God into our home. She welcomes the love of God and the person of God to sit at our table. And then after that's done, I get up and I bless my kids. And I read Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 over my wife. And I thank God for my wife. And I go around the table and I thank God for everybody who's at my table. I'm like, ooh, maybe that's why they like the table. Because now I'm looking at you and I'm telling you, you matter to me. You're a blessing to me. Matter of fact, they establish identity for their children, their grandchildren. Everybody who gathers around the table, the patriarch will go around and he'll tell them who they are. In a world lost in an identity crisis, maybe we need some fathers and mothers to lay hands on their children again. Tell them who they are. Tell them where they come from. Tell them the story. guys just close your eyes just be present to this moment we're we're closing us being family together and enjoying family here is wonderful but what's even more meaningful to be honest with you is God wants you to be a part of his family man he's good at being family and he is a wonderful father. God wants you to be a part of his family. He wants it so much. He didn't spare any cost and he didn't hold anything back. He said, I, I want them to be in my family. I'm willing to adopt them and make them my sons and daughters. I'll build a bigger house if I got to. I'll put more chairs at the table if I got to. I'll spare no expense I want my sons and daughters and my family so today my question for you is with your eyes closed here in this moment can you say with a clean heart I know I'm part of God's family if there's a question in you if there's a doubt in you whether that's true or not today God wants you to know he loves you he cares about you deeply and you're not meant to do this alone you're meant to be part of his family but there's only one condition to this you have to give him all of your heart all of it the hurt pieces, the broken pieces all of it 
And as you give your heart to him, he gives his heart to you. And he does something incredible. He adopts you into his own family. If you're here today and you don't know if you're part of God's family, I just want to invite you to listen. God has a chair at the table with your name on it. He loves you so much. He cares about you so deeply. He wants to be a father to you. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I put my trust in you today. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. I want to seat at the table. I, I want to know what it means to be a part of God's family today, Abba. I give you my heart. I give you my heart. Love it if you do that. It's not all you and God need to talk about. But I promise if you do that today, you'll be part of the family of Almighty God. And you'll always have a seat at the table. Thank you, Lord. I want to invite our prayer team to come at this time. I know talking about family can evoke all kinds of stuff, but you're here today and maybe you need God to touch your family. Maybe you're like, hey, man, I, I want somebody to pray for me. Pray with me about this thing, man. We're, we're here to serve you. We desire to see God at work in your family. Would you guys stand with us as our prayer team's coming, man? We'd love to minister to you. See Jacob and Hannah back there starting their new family. Good to see you guys today. Glad you guys are here. But I want to pray the song that we sang earlier today wasn't a song Neil made up. It wasn't just a copyright from a, we were singing the sacred scriptures together and we were saying amen so be it but i want you to as I, as we pray this together i want you to just when we stop and pause i just want you to say i receive it could you guys do that but as you receive it don't just receive it for yourself receive it for you and your family okay can we do that together may the lord bless you May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance on you. And give you his peace. Oh, Father, we receive your grace today. And we declare today is a prophetic launch into a healing into our families. We we're going to look back and say, it was there at the family feud sermon. God began a new work. God began to touch my family. God's going to call some of you guys to begin to prophesy to your families and minister to your families and care for your families like never before. God, would you turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children back to the fathers? Lord, we ask you for your blessing, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you have any needs in your life, we'd love to pray for you. We're so thankful you're here. You're family to us. We love you. Shalom, my friends. For more information, to give, or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom. Shalom.